Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Studio Organic. Excited with my guest in Brandon Geyer, uh, mental strength coach for the Los Angeles Angels. And we're going to talk a little bit about not only his career on the field, but off the field. And we'll get into his major league mindset. Uh, Brandon, welcome. Jay, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, excited for the conversation. Now, one would think, uh, how did you get into where, you know, you're, you're training athletes on, on the mental performance side? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you had to be a player. Not always the case, but mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about your side of the industry, um, kind of where people come from, how, how they help out athletes, and, and really like this sector of the industry, did you have any of it when you were in, in the big leagues playing? Like, was this a thing? Yeah, great way to start off. So I would say the majority of mental performance coaches probably aren't former players, at least former in the big league players. I only know of one, I think, right now. Um, So, yeah, you you don't have to have played. Um, I just think that with the personal experience and I what I like to say is God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, blessed me with going through a gauntlet. So now I can be, I've been in the shoes of all of these players. I know every fear, every obstacle, every slump, how to get out. I, I've been there, done that with everything. It's blessed me with that. And that's how I created Major League Mindset. Um, and, you know, I'm just so grateful that I have gone through it. Now I can help others go through it. And whether it's helping them here handle failure, adversity, um, be more disciplined, um, train the mental side of the game, because it accounts for many people would argue 90%, help them really develop that. And that's what I'm doing. That's what a lot of the other mental performance coaches, mental strength coaches are doing out there. Because, you know, the physical side obviously is very important. But if you want to get the most out of that, it's all about the what I like to call the six tool, your mindset or a major league mindset. That's really going to be the key that unlocks all of those physical skills. Because I really believe that the wall of our potential, you know, someone could have a crazy, you know, ceiling or wall of potential, whatever you want to call it, but it's their mental skills. It's their mental strength that determines how close they get to that wall of their potential. And that's the simplest way to explain how those with less physical talent pass by those with more because they have the mental skills and the mindset to literally get toward to that wall and hit it of their true potential. Whereas others fall short of that. Um, so that's really, um, that's the first answer to your first question. The second um, question is, yes, I had guys that I worked with um, during my career. And specifically, one person who really got me into it was Ken Revisa. He wrote Heads Up Baseball and Heads Up Baseball 2.0. Heading into my senior year of high school, I had zero scholarships back in 2004, and I was a below average player my first three years at Herndon High School in Northern Virginia. So I knew if I didn't start changing something, my career was going to be over. So I read Heads Up Baseball. Didn't just read it, but I applied everything, everything, knowing this could be my last shot. And then I was given that key that literally unlocked 
I'd like to think 30 to 40% more that was just lying dormant inside of me. And then so after that, continued, I went to UVA, continue to work on it, continue to work on it, continue to work on it. And of course, there's still highs, there's still lows. But something I learned from Brian Johnson, the highs will be higher and the lows will be higher. And that's what happened for me. And so I became obsessed with the mental side of the game, still continued to train the physical side. Um, and then seven years later, my rookie year with the Tampa Bay Rays, who's the team sports psychologist? Ken Revisa. I get to now work with him one-on-one -on -one with when I'm with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I mean, the first thing I said was, dude, you changed the trajectory of my life. Thank you. And so what he did for me, I now... And I feel like I'm just living in my purpose. I am trying to do for other people. Take everything I learned from him, everything I learned from other mental performance coaches, everything I learned from Brian Johnson at Heroic, and combine it with my experience at the highest level for close to a decade. Put that all together and give back and help others become their best self. That's really what's gotten me here and uh, what I'm all in on right now. Amazing. So when, you, when you're working with the different athletes and Look, as you're going through the minors, right, ultimately making it to the big leagues, there's plenty of guys I'm sure you've played with that had more talent, more uh, potential than even yourself, right? But For sure. they just didn't make it. And part of that potentially is, is the mental side of the game. And there's uh, a big gap of those who make it uh, and, you know, can have success at the big league level versus those who don't. Where, where does the gap lie on the mental side of the game and what can those that are in it do just simply to help better themselves? Uh, we're not going to give away all the secrets to the major league mindset, but I think the idea is what can they do? And then we'll get into a little bit of how it might, might apply into the business world as well. Yeah. So it all starts with great question, Jake. It, it all starts with the belief and the knowing deep down that you can train your mind just like your body. We all have the gift of growth. Every single human being has the gift of growth. And as Carol Dweck coined it, a growth mindset. We can have that fixed mindset, thinking everything is set in stone. What we're born with is just what we have. Or we can have a growth mindset, as Carol Dweck calls it. And she says, what you're born with is just a starting point. It's what you do with that that determines how far you climb that ladder of success in life, both on and off the field. So it starts with having that growth mindset. Second, I really believe the thing that holds players back and humans back the most is fear, fear of failure, fear of not being perfect, fear of making a mistake, fear of what other people think, fear of not being good enough. So that's the number one thing I try to help players get over fear. Um, and I think the number one skill for all athletes and human beings, because literally everything I talk about is on and off the field. I probably stress off the field way more than anything on the field when I'm working with athletes, because I firmly believe the more well-rounded an individual is, the better suited they're going to be on the field to handle the failure, the pressure, the challenges, the adversity, all the obstacles, all the curveballs life and baseball is going to throw at them. They're better able to handle it if they're more well-rounded, if they're a better person, if they have higher character. The same skills and mindset and character that helps you flourish and live your best life off the field, I promise you, all athletes out there is going to help you live your best life and, or play your best and highest performance potential on the field. Um, so the number one skill for all athletes is controlling the controllables. And I know a lot of athletes have heard this and it's basic, but basics are best. And it's simple in theory. It's very hard in practice, but this is a skill that is trainable. And once they train this skill, well, they're going to have way more fun. 
They're going to have way more confidence. They're going to feel less pressure, less stress, and more so than anything, becoming not good, but great with controlling the controllables, literally having great clarity of what's hundred percent in their control and letting go of everything else. They're not going to be perfect, but to the best of their ability, letting go of everything else, especially in the moment with how they respond to things out of their control. Well, that's the key to it all, controlling the controllables. And it's a skill. We can all train it. Once they do that, they get to the point where they play and they live free and loose. Because a lot of players, we're putting this extra expectations and pressure on ourselves. So we're going up, hitting or pitching. We're tight and tense. We're not free and loose. So really everything I'm trying to do is get to these players where on and off the field, they can be free and loose. And then their mind becomes a personal source of power that literally lets them shine and lets them become themselves and be themselves and unlock their true potential. When you talk about the the fear being a huge component of that, how do you unlock the fact that the fear of controlling the controllables is probably there as well, right? Like there's a fear of control, lack of control, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. How do I get over it? Well, it all starts with there's so much in our life out of our control, the events, but we hundred percent always control how we respond to it. So we have to know that we have to accept it. We have to embrace it. I think the, the, the main way to become great at controlling the controllables, become great at handling failure is acceptance, acceptance. We have to accept on this journey. We're on to become the best player we can be in person. It's going to be hard. I have a sign on my wall right here. It says it's not supposed to be easy as that constant reminder to me when the inevitable challenge in adversity comes my way. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be a big leader. Everyone would be uber successful. It's not supposed to. So it starts with first accepting that, not resisting it. Because when we resist it, as Kristen Neff says in the science of self-compassion, Kristen Neff basically says pain, you know, you're going to have way more pain you know, and your suffering is then going to go up as well. If you are resisting the inevitable obstacle and failure, and if you try to avoid fear and stepping out of your comfort zone, we want to accept rather than resist, then the pain isn't as bad. And then our suffering goes down as well. Um, So one of the main things that I learned about um, from my coach and mentor, Brian Johnson, and he learned it from Phil Stutz, great documentary on Netflix called Stutz, is that we'll never be exonerated from three things in life, pain, uncertainty, and hard work. So I think that goes right in line with what you just asked me, the fear of the controllables. Know that we cannot control so much in our life. Know that we're going to have pain. We're going to have uncertainty. We're going to work hard, no matter how good of a person we are, no matter how well we're living our life, no matter how well we are controlling the controllables, we're still going to have pain, uncertainty, and hard work. That's just part of the journey of being great. And if you truly want to be great, like not just mediocre, you are on this journey to be great, to become the best version of you. It has to be accepted. And it has to know if you're on that journey, then I forget who Alan Beck was. I forget the guy who coined it. He talked about the word goes with. Light goes with dark. Stress and fear goes with meaning. If you don't want stress, if you don't want fear, then have no meaning in your life. Have no meaning in your life. But if you do have meaning and you want to be your best self, know that that stuff comes along with it. And it's good. Rub your hands together. Say, bring it on. 
like this wristband I give out, bring it on, say, bring it on to everything. Cause now you've trained for it and you know, you can handle and powerfully respond to anything that comes your way. How do you start to train certain athletes that have never gone through any sort of mental performance coaching or training or anything like that? And it's all, it's new, right? Like the resistance to something that's new in our lives is, is usually, and or change, right? Like resistance to change. Well, this is, this has been working for me for however long, like, well, why would I change? Right. Why would I change my mindset? Why would I change what I'm doing? But change is necessary in order for improvement. Right. And so where do you start with those when they haven't done anything before from a mental game perspective? Um, And then secondly, for those who maybe think that they have, but they haven't, or they don't think that they have, but they have, right? In terms of working on the mental game, how do you unlock kind of their understanding of what it is to actually train the mental side versus anything else? Great question. Um, I wrote some notes down so I don't forget. So I I think if someone has never trained it, I like to ask them four questions. Okay, what's a five-tool player? Hit for power, hit for average, good arm, good speed, good defense. Okay, then I ask them, what's the sixth tool? Like if you really, not just because you're talking to me, what's the sixth tool? Then they say the mindset. And I say, yeah, the sixth and most important tool, your mindset, or what I like to call a major league mindset. Question three, what percentage of the game of baseball is mental? And I say, be honest, don't just say what you've heard. I've asked that to thousands of athletes. And a lot of times they say 80 to 95%. And the higher level athletes will, will say even higher. So then question four, I say, what percentage of the time do you spend training the side of the game that accounts for 80 to 95%? That you, you said, and the normal answer I get, especially the youth athletes, zero to 5% of the time they spend training the side of the game that they admitted accounts for at least 90 on average. Now, the reasons they haven't, they've never been taught how to in an intentional and structured way, which is literally the program I developed when I have this workbook and I run them through this workbook, literally what I'm trying to do in an intentional and structured way from my experience playing at the highest level and working with some of the best in the game, an intentional structured program. Number two, they don't feel like it. Some players just don't feel like doing it. And then number three, they have a fixed mindset, as we talked about earlier, where they believe that they're bo- the level of confidence and focus and, and mental toughness is just what they're born with. They can't do anything about it. So it all starts with me getting across the fact that we all have the gift of adaptability, of growth, of change. So once they put the work in, and train their mind just like their body. I say just 1% of the day. 1% of the day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Can you put that much time hitting up the mind gym, literally in your mind, swiping a card, like you're getting to the mind gym and training your mind, whether it's going through a couple worksheets in the book, whether it's meditation, whether it's visualization, whether it's reading books, whether it's listening to a podcast, can you hit up that mind gym for just 1% of the day? So the thing is, I try to keep it very simple if they've never trained it. Do a little, a lot, not a lot, a little. So do a little, a lot, not a lot, a little. Um, And then I I try to get across like a quote from LeBron James, the greats master the body, the greatest master the mind. So if they're truly, once again, on this journey to be great and the best version of them, then you got to train both physical skills plus mental skills equals their true potential unlocked. It's an equation I kind of came up with. And I I firmly believe that. Um, Now, some notes to really answer the rest of it. I I try to get across if they're playing at a high level, they're doing good right now. Tell them, 
resistance or tough times from the universe is coming your way. It's going to, it's, it's, it's inevitable for all human beings. So let's be proactive and train for it and be ready when it comes rather than being reactive where it could almost be too late. Like my going into senior year of high school, I got lucky. I got it right before it was too late. But what if some kid doesn't train it? And then because of that, he loses his opportunity. His career's over. Then he has regret for the rest of his life, unfortunately. Maybe because he's never been taught and he didn't know the importance of the mindset. And that's really why I'm just trying to get the word out. I don't care if you work with me or anybody. Just train it. It's so important on and off the field. So proactive versus reactive. The difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. Um, And then let them know. Yeah, you're playing at a high level. But as there's levels to this game, there's levels to the game of life, to the game of baseball, to everything. And we want to make the pri- our prior best. Say you're at your best right now. Let's make your prior best your new baseline and then level up from there. Their prior best becomes their new baseline. That's just who they are. And then they continue to level up. And the one word, this is a word I got from Brian Johnson at Heroic. The one word to help them do that is tattooed on my forearm. It's arte. It's a Greek word that means excellence, but the deeper definition I've come to learn, it means to express the best version of yourself moment to moment to moment. So getting across the power of arte, getting across that um, it's really all about them putting the work in so that they can show up at their best and then really be of service to something bigger than them. Um, And that's kind of all the notes I had here. Um, Hopefully that answers your question. No, super helpful. And I think one of the things to to note as well is, you know, you're referencing different people throughout, like none of this is earth shatteringly new per se, right? Everybody puts their own little spin on it. Everybody's got kind of how they want to present it, use their own experience to re- maybe relate to somebody else and try and walk in their shoes. But like a lot of this, whether it's whether it's in the boardroom, right, in, in an office setting, whether it's on the field, off the field, like it's all applicable and it's all applicable from a lot of different walks of life, depending on your background experience and, and what you do on a day to day basis. When you sit back and you think about the group of coaches and mental performance trainers that you work with and you think like, Okay, from a career standpoint, they're a coach, right? At heart, like that's that's and that's honestly what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. But there's, you know, there's curriculum, there's research, there's all these different things that go into it. Mm-hmm. If someone said, Hey, I want to do what Brandon does, where do you start? How do you get into it? What do you need to know uh, about the industry in which you work in with within the larger ecosystem? Great question. Great question. Um, so when to, to get into it, you know, obviously studying it, if you're, if you're really into sports psychology, uh, maybe when you go to college, you study that, but I am going to be upfront and honest. This might rub some people the wrong way, but what I learned, you know, from the mental performance coaches, I worked with one-on-one and just from my experience playing at the highest level, but really what I learned from a program called heroic, And I know I've talked about it a lot and I have because it's life-changing. What I learned from that, no way in you know what will you learn as much going to school and getting a degree in this stuff. And I firmly stand by that. Firmly stand by that. I learned more in that in a year by doing all the worksheets, 
going through the whole, all the content and material, working with Brian Johnson than I'll ever learn going and getting my degree in sports psychology at school. So I'm going to start with that and say that. Um, so check that out. But hey, if you want to go to school and do it, great. Obviously, you'll learn a lot from that. And then when you get into the industry, realize there's no one size fits all. Every player is so different. What works for one player might not work for another player. We're just so idiosyncratically, we're just wired so differently that you got to just have this plan and approach. And obviously, it's dynamic. Like it's going to change based on the player, based on their situation, based on their upbringing. There's so much that goes into it. Um, but I just would say more so than anything, and I'll, hopefully this is what I'm getting across. This isn't earth shattering new stuff that I came up with. Yeah, I, I'm putting my unique twist on it, but there's so much wisdom out there, whether it's books, whether it's ancient stoic philosophy, whether it's, um, podcasts like what we're on right now there's so much information just what i say get all the information and then make it your own make it your own don't try to do what someone else did make it your own you have this uniqueness about you that is really going to help players um so yeah no that's great i think a lot of times people think oh you have to be a phd or you have to i mean there's all these different uh certifications right and it's like Yes, there is. And that can help you get in the door, but it's also relationships. And then it's also right. It's, it's, it's a puzzle. It's a large puzzle. <laughs> and you're kind of uh, gaining one little puzzle piece at a time and putting it all together. Mm -hmm. um, but and Jake, real quick, can I jump in real yeah. quick? Yeah, yeah. And I'm uh, sorry to interrupt, but what I would say it's that and it's work and it's massive, massive amounts of discipline. Nothing happens without those two nothing happens. So it's, this isn't an easy road. You know, people might think, oh, you retired and you got right into this. No, no, no. I retired and I went deep for almost two years. I didn't just rely on my personal playing experience and working with different mentors and mental performance coaches, some of the best in the world. I could have just relied on that, but no, to be one of the best, to be your best self, you have to have so much discipline. You have to literally try to out-discipline, out-work, out-sleep, out-eat, out-everything, everybody else. If you truly, truly want that key and to really unlock yourself and everything that you are capable of. So that goes with baseball, boardroom, life, anything in general. I think nothing, in, and this isn't anything new either, but really nothing comes without work and discipline. Um, and I emphasize discipline. So, yeah, I think the discipline thing is huge. Uh, shout out uh, Ryan Holiday's book, Discipline is Destiny. If you have, oh yeah, all his books. Well, yeah, all of his books, but that that one's really good. Um, yeah. Look, I you know you said something earlier that I was like, oh, that's really interesting, and it's about the individual's journey and how everybody's so different, right? And so you're trying to. You're, you're Brandon Geyer, you have your experience, but you've got to figure out how to put yourself in someone else's shoes that maybe speaks a different language, that comes from a different country, that, uh, you know, has never done anything else but played, played a sport or played baseball or whatever the case is. How do you, as the coach, listen and ask the right questions to be able to figure some of that stuff out? Because I think that's really a key component to it is you can't just go in there and preach and, and, and right. And, and try and um, 
set somebody up with, Hey, here's the plan. Go do it. Right. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta be able to tweak it. You gotta be able to just as if you were, uh, you know, training the physical side, right. People have limitations. People have things that they need to work on more than others. Where, where do you start with that? Yeah. So what works for one person is definitely not always going to work for the other. Some people, for instance, like to write down goals. Others don't. Some people like to do a post-game reflection where they write down, um, I like to call a process, well, better adjustments, and then score the controllables. Some people like to do that after games. Some people just like to think about it. Um, some people are very routine oriented and need to be. Others kind of like to be a little more loose and just kind of they have their thing, but they're not it's not super set. Um, so I think it's it's really understanding that everyone's perspective on life and where they came from, how they grew up, how they were raised, what they dealt with and experienced on and off the field is what shaped them. Um, so understanding their perspective and where they come from um, and then really help them develop self-awareness and, and get to know themselves on a whole nother level. And at the same time, I'm getting to know them as well. So like literally I call it major league identities and it's okay. We, we give them a name on and off the field. Who are you at your best? Like let's have, you can have fun with it, whatever it is. I'll give you an example. So an athlete recently on the field, I strive to be a world-class athlete off the field. I strive to be a world-class person. And then we determine what are your behaviors that help you live in integrity with being a world-class athlete on the field and a world-class person off it? And then once we do that, I'm getting to know them better, what really helps them show up at their best, and they're getting to know themselves better. So once you know yourself to a whole nother level, then you can control yourself and the controllables. So I think it really starts with getting to know yourself at a whole new level and then you can control yourself. Then you can respond better to adversity. And then you, what I really try to do with baseball players, get them to the present moment so they can compete with all they have every single pitch. Easier said than done. But if you know yourself and you can control yourself and you can respond to anything in a powerful way, be that warrior rather than a victim, then you're going to be better able to funnel your focus where your feet are to the present moment right here, right now. And then when they can do that and they use their breath, they utilize the, the MVP of everything I talked about, their breath. They get to the present moment and everything they're looking to execute in that moment has a better chance to succeed if they're in the, that present moment, if their attention is right here, right now. So I know I kind of went off a little bit, um, but it really just starts with knowing everyone's different. Um, we're all wired differently um, and just approach it like that. Have your set, you know, philosophy. Like I have a set set principles and milestones that I know work for the majority, but then tailor it based on athletes' needs, what they're dealing with, how they were raised, um, the questions they may have, um, et cetera. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're going, well, I'm not an athlete, I'm not a professional athlete. How does this apply to me? The, the field, the court, the ice, whatever you're talking about, that's that person's work environment. It's mm -hmm. the same thing as an office. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the same thing as a work environment, uh, any which other way. And, you know, everybody deals with different challenges, different game times. Right. Like all, all those all of those different things. Right. Someone's presentation is the same thing as going up to the plate to face the pitcher. Right. It's the same oh thing. You just have to figure yes. out how to relate it. And 
you have to figure out, okay, as a leader of a department or a leader of an organization, how are you going to take the roster, right, that you have, that you're dealt with, uh, or that you choose, and mold everybody, right, with their strengths and their weaknesses to, you know, ultimately reach their potential, but you can't coach everybody the same way, right? So to your Mm -hmm. point, it's how do you uh, adapt and change, but also have kind of that uh, majority that you're that you're working with from like a frame framework perspective. Um, if you were to take a step back though, and you think about all the athletes you've worked with, right? You even your personal experience, other people you've worked with across your career. What's your one biggest piece of advice for those that work behind the scenes in the front office in an office setting, um, constantly on the road, whatever the case might be, long hours, etc. How do they go about applying some of the same uh, mindsets to, to your point, being a world-class person, major league person, however you want to frame it? Yeah, so much There's good stuff there. there. I know, but. Yeah, no, I, great. I love it. Thank you. Um, I'm going to bring up an example because um, I, I feel like a lot of people could relate. So I've been, I was working with this uh, individual who's in sales uh, recently because um, it's not just athletes. Obviously, everything I'm talking about, I'm sure all the listeners and you can understand it that directly translates to all walks of life. Stay at home mom, although I don't coach my wife at all. She would never want that, <laughs> but it could apply to, to everyone. Um, so the sales person who's in sales, uh, a process that is huge for a lot of the athletes I work with, I call it best self, worst self animals. Think Kobe Bryant turning into the black mamba when he steps on the court. So who are you at your best? What animal represents you at your best and why? Give it meaning. So for me, I actually have a tattoo of a lion on my back. I was a hungry lion when I played. When I was at my best, I was living and flipped the switch and became a hungry lion. I said, bring it on to fear. I use my tools to live and play in the present moment. I had a win or learn mindset. I I put my actions before my feelings, so on and so on. I was fearless. I was brave, courageous, loving, all that stuff. Like that's what it meant for me to be that lion. And then also, because we all have the best and worst battling inside of us. I had, I called it a scared sheep, a sheep who would avoid adversity and avoid stepping out of the comfort zone, um, who would worry about the past and, and, and worry about the future, um, who wouldn't be in the present moment that much at all, who could break easily, was pretty fragile, couldn't handle adversity. So I bring this all up because with the sales individual, And with um, athletes I work with, I say, let's get this self-awareness and know who we are at our best, kind of like the major league identities and who we are at our worst, because they're battling all day, every day inside of us and how we feed them and what determines which one wins is how we, our self-talk is our habits, is our lifestyle, our our behaviors and all things we control. So we want to feed that best starve that worst inside of us. So whenever I noticed I'm feeling timid or afraid or not going out of my comfort zone or not using all the tools that I know I can to show up at my best, knowing that's going to lead to the results that I'm not attached to, well, then I would do this flip the switch process, literally close my eyes, imagine flipping a light switch on and become that hungry lion walking to the plate in a big moment, such as bottom of the eighth, game six of the 2016 World Series against Aroldis Chapman, biggest at bat of my life. Hearts racing, good. I knew, I learned, I was taught and trained 
how to change my state and how to get those butterflies flying in formation. And the real key to that was walking to the plate and saying, bring it on Chapman. I have a winner, basically have a winner learn mindset. I know I did everything I could put myself in the best position. I visualized, I did everything, flip the switch into a hungry lion, bring it on Chapman. Doesn't always equal success, but you're putting yourself in the best position to succeed when you do that. So for this, back to the sales individual, I say before calls, before big sales, before presentations, flip that switch, determine what animal it is for you. And this person picked the honey badger, which I, I love. He said, I'm a little smaller in stature, but I'm powerful. When I'm at my best, I'm powerful. So I'm be that honey badger. And he picked, um, I forget what it was as his worst, but he flipped the switch to become that honey badger. So that's how it directly relates to any presentation, anything, anything you do in life that might make you out of your comfort zone or just just to help you show up at your best. Cause that's really what it's all about. Who are you at your best and what helps you show up at your best? Let's do that more. Let's have clarity on that and know that whether you're on or off the field, it directly translates um, to everything. And, and one more thing, Jake, to, cause I wrote down, I wanted to talk about on that is um, I got this from Troy Basham, son of Lanny Basham, former um, Olympic gold medalist rifle shooter. Troy Basham talks about attainment, the word attainment. And I love it. It really attainment equals accomplishing plus becoming. So he, he talks about accomplishing. Accomplishing is external. It's a result. But what's going to lead to more of that and then overall attainment is who you become. And that's internal. Who you become internally as a person, you know, having better, creating better relationships, being a better service to the community, be internally becoming the best you is going to lead to the external results. And then you'll have attainment in life. And when you have that, I like to think of that as happiness, as success, as purpose, as meaning, as flourishing, as Tal Ben-Shahar, positive psychologist calls it. That's what it's all about. I think that's the ultimate purpose of life. Um, so I wanted to mention attainment too. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, attainment, attention, intention, uh, integration. There's, there's all these different things that you can work into your mindset but I want to get to one thing before we start to wrap up the episode is there is that physical component, sleep, eating, working out, et cetera, that all impacts the mental side as well, right? And so you can't, yes, there is that 85 to 90% that's the mental game, but you can't forget about all the things that impact the mental game as well. Because again, if you've got other, uh, we'll call them screws loose, right, in, in you know, the, the circle of your success, like how, how do you go about making sure that everything else is in check to make sure you're reaching your maximum potential in those areas that you're putting focus into? Because if you're not sleeping right, then you're not eating, you know, then you may be eating differently uh, as opposed to, you know, the energy that you're getting to then working out, making sure that you're working out right, have the right mental mindset to go into your workouts, all these different things they all impact one another. So how do you, how do you, what do you tell somebody to say, Hey, yes, you've got to focus on the mental aspect of your, of your game, whatever your game is, but how do you make sure that you pay attention to everything else that impacts it as well? Dude, you are so spot on with all that, Jake. I literally like firmly, firmly believe that our physiology has a lot more to do with our psychology than a lot of people think. It's so true. Our energy levels, our overall well-being, our recovery, 
has so much more to do with our mindset. It literally goes, it goes both ways. So getting as energized and recovered as possible is huge. And I know you mentioned sleep a couple of times. Sleep is a sport to me. That's why I wear a, a whoop and aura ring um, and share it with a couple people every morning, Sean Casey and Brian Johnson. We share our aura ring scores every morning, hold each other accountable, but we approach it like it's a sport. And I did when I played as well. And that really changed a quick story. When I was a rookie with the Tampa Bay Rays, I was always of the mindset in my life up until 2011 when I, I wanted to make the absolute most of what I was you know blessed with all of the potential but I never learned up until that point the the importance of sleep and what it can do for you somehow it just wasn't talked about a lot and they brought in a sleep expert from Stanford she talked about different studies that um, they ran high level performers through and just adding an hour of sleep to their uh, sleep at night by just prioritizing it being an intentional with it on purpose with it what it did for their overall results, but also well-being off the field. Um, so then I started, I left that meeting in my head. I said, it's time to out sleep the competition, not out eat, not out breathe, not out train mentally and physically, but also out sleep the competition. Um, so sleep is a huge thing for overall recovery and focus. And, um, you know, Chris Winter, uh, Dr. Chris Winter, a sleep expert, he was with Cleveland when I was there. He did a study that showed those who actually get more sleep in the big leagues have a longer big league career. Pretty fascinating. Um, but that's obviously, I think, the biggest lever to feel more energized and recover is your sleep. Your eating, your nutrition, very important. Road games. When we used to travel, I'd bring a whole big carry-on bag, um, like a suitcase, but no clothes were in it. It was only food. Um, I've always been into food. I'm a sports nutritionist as well. Um, so that's a huge part. Um, the breath is another huge part for your focus. Um, and then bringing those all together is gonna help you be more energized than ever. But I think the foundation of all of that is your discipline, as we kind of mentioned at the beginning. The discipline to do, do what you say you will do. If you really wanna be your greatest, no matter what you're doing in life, nutrition is a priority, moving and training is a priority, and getting good sleep is a priority. Um, so I think that all ties together. Um, I have a note here just to hit it. Two things. I think greatness is consistency with the fundamentals, no matter what fundamentals, but especially these fundamentals, eating, sleeping, training, and breathing and self-discipline. Greatness is consistency with those. They're not sexy, but that's, that's true, um, true greatness. And then lastly, this, there's an app that every player that comes through my program, they use this free app. And basically what it is, we put in different habits throughout the day to help them really develop. And like the first three, make your bed in the morning, drink eight to 10 ounces of water and do an AM gratitude practice. And then a cold shower and a little movement in the morning, get some sunlight if they really want to do that. But we kind of, we develop and we call this their checklist for success. Basically everything they do, especially early in the morning to start the day winning, that leads to them and builds momentum throughout the day, earns trust, earns confidence in themselves because they do what they said they would do. And it just, that checklist for success is what leads them to showing up at their best, whether it's a presentation, whether it's an at-bat, whether it's pitching, whether it's on defense, whatever they're doing. Um, so, I, and that really comes back to, I bring that up, that bring, comes back to the physical side and the importance of the physical side, how much that has to do with the mental side. No, I love all of it. Um, you know, when you think about the the mental side, right, and, and someone's probably listening to this going, 
Well, yeah. Well, what, what does that have to do with anything? Think about how many times you get a stomach ache or a headache because you got anxiety, right? And then it makes you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you can't perform and then you can't think. And then you, right? Like then you can't sleep, Then it, right? It all just impacts one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say one thing about the sleep because there, there's way more research than, than just what I'm about to say, but it's also not just the amount of hours, it's the quality, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, again, just ha- super high level, uh, everybody focuses on sometimes the hours and it's like, well, yeah, you can you can do things for hours, but if it's not quality, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a mix of quality and quantity. Um, again, go go do the research, go do you know the, the studying on um, you know your environment and all, all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think as we, we wrap up the episode, Brandon, fascinating stuff. Uh, we could talk for hours on this, but um, let's get to a quick rapid fire here uh, to, to wrap up. Uh, okay. If you could play one position uh, that you didn't get to play in the big leagues, what would it be? Ooh, uh, shortstop. If there was a pitcher you didn't get to face during your time, who would it be? Who would you want to face? And it could be someone that maybe wasn't in your your era per se. I'm gonna say Shohei Otani. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Um, all right, sport that you could play at a high level outside of baseball. What would it be? Football. I was actually gonna play at the University of Virginia as a running back, um, but decided to go the baseball route. Nice. Um, last two for you. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Ooh, wow. That's a good one. You know what? I, I just got back from being with the angels in Denver, Colorado, something about that city. I love, I love it here in Maryland, but I, maybe just cause it's recent. I'm going to say Denver, Colorado. You talked about your suitcase and your food. <laughs> one thing in that suitcase that you could not do without, what would it be? 100% grass-fed beef jerky. Is there a specific brand? Uh, Epic. Epic. All and, right. and Chomps. Chomps is very good, too. Okay. You never, you never know, right? Like some people are particular about the, this, this specific brand that they like. Um, <laughs> but Brandon, really appreciate it. Thank you for all the wisdom, perspectives, insights, advice. Uh, again, we'll welcome on anytime in the future. But... Thanks again and uh, appreciate uh, the, the journey that you've shared with us uh, that, that you're on, but also helping others. Dude, Jake, thank you for that. I appreciate the, the great questions, the platform, what you're doing. Um, so yeah, thank you again for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe. And follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.